Hello, Ben here. Just a little word ahead of this week's episode. This was recorded as part of an intended double bill with Kenneth Branagh's Much Ado About Nothing, which is the next film that follows Freaked. And in the edit, I decided, because they're two such different films that appeal to two incredibly different audiences. And I know that most people tend to be, they're more likely to click on the films that they're actually interested in. I've split it into two episodes. So this week we'll be talking about Freaked. Next week we'll be talking about Much Ado About Nothing. So if there's any references to two films or the next film, just know that the next film is Much Ado About Nothing. And I'll be back at the end to close the episode off. I know Kung Fu. If the bus blows up, he wins. Excellent! Hello, and welcome to the Anthology Presents the Keanu Copia. My name is Ben Hayton. And I'm Alex Bellardi, and we are reviewing every single one of Keanu Reeves' movies in chronological order. Season 1 we did Arnold Schwarzenegger, season 2 we did Tom Cruise. Season 3 we did some shit that no one listened to. Yeah, I guess that's season 3.1. This is season 3.2, or season 4. Season 4, this is season 4. Season 4. Yeah, we never actually addressed the fact, because you said we're, we're watching all of Keanu's films, we never addressed the fact that we had to skip a film quite recently, actually, just before Point we Break. We couldn't get a hold of Providence. Um, and that, that was the only reason that we skipped it. We literally could not get a digital or physical copy of that film. If anyone has a copy and you want us to do it, we'll do it. Just send it to us. Send us an email at theonithology at gmail.com. So Freaked is a film co-directed by Alex Winter and co-directed by his friend Tom Stern also co-written by Alex Winter and co-written by Tom Stern and Tim Burns now Alex Winter was obviously Bill S. Preston in the Bill and Ted movies that's the Keanu link so he asked his friend to appear in this film Um, and this is a spin-off from an idea that came out of an MTV show that Alex Winter and Tom Stern had done was it called Idiot something? Idiot Box? yeah something like that yeah yeah idiot face um and they actually wanted to do a relatively low budget kind of extended music video with the butthole surface and incorporate this sketch into it and what yeah, yeah. butthole surfers yeah i never heard of them before uh, they were surprised hang on a minute i was gonna say they were surprisingly big in the 90s the band was surprisingly big in the 90s right the butthole surfers yeah, yeah i'm surprised you never heard of them no first time i've heard those words today butthole surfers weird well, I think what we're learning about um, both Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves as we talk more about them is that they were quite deeply embedded in the in the rock scene in the 90s. And obviously Keanu yeah. had his band. I don't know if you spotted that very early on in this film, we have a Chili Peppers t-shirt. Are you kidding me? And no, I, another I appearance. Completely. Having already seen Flea let, and Anthony Kiedis in the Let me say something right up, right up top. Okay? Right up top. And that's the rock link. Yeah, it's not... A, necessarily a chili peppers link it's just they were into they, rock and they were yeah. but they were clearly in with bands they were clearly hung yeah, out with bands buddies yeah, yeah, yeah surely surely buddies and it's not necessarily a chili peppers preference i have to say somewhere up top there's lots in this film actually there's lots in the next two films that we're going to talk about that i definitely missed 
So you're going to have to bear with me if I sound like somebody who was not paying attention. That's not the case. I tried hard in both films and lost attention for two very different reasons. Well, without going into that, yeah, I would say, and please correct me if you find that this is inappropriate, I would say that neither of these films are particularly in styles that appeal to you uh, as a paying audience member. Is that fair to say? Yes, but it's going to be an interesting discussion. Yeah, fine. Uh, so Freaked uh, ended up becoming, it, it, ballooning into this you know, big project for Alex Winter and Tom Stern. They got a studio behind it. They got a, a very sizable budget for what is a comedy at the time. And um, it had a very rocky road to the cinema screen. It is about a, an, an actor played by Alex Winter who goes to... I don't even know why he's going there anymore, to be honest. But he ends up at a, a freak show on behalf of a corporation. Yeah, I don't know how... Um, and we, and the corporation is run by death from... Uh, from Bill yeah. and Ted. Yeah, which is um, great. He's great, again. Isn't he? Of course he is. He's, he's a consummate professional. Bill Sadler. Yeah. yeah. And um, what is going on at this freak show, run by Randy Quaid, which again, pretty perfect yeah. piece of casting, awesome. is... Um, so, ma- so many good actors in this, actually. Many, so many people that you're like, how did they get here? Yeah, many, how did they get many here? recognizable faces, yeah. yeah. So the, there's a bookending device, basically, where Brooke Shields is interviewing Alex Winter, and he is in silhouette talking about his horrible disfigurement. And when he goes to this freak show, Randy Quaid has a toxic sludge that turns people into sideshow freaks. And there's a a dog boy, there's a literally a cow boy yeah there are two sentient eyes called i and i who talk with jamaican accents ha, 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 ha. Yeah. and um yeah uh, there's there's a whole parade of grotesqueries including mr t as the bearded lady and Good. um and it's it's a, a weird mishmash of very big budget makeup and 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 like really quite hor- horrific makeup effects a lot of the time yeah and gross out humor and then this quite witty Zucker Brothers, Lord and Miller kind of meta humor that's happening at the same time. Yes, which when you asked me about whether it's my type of movie or not, had it leaned more into the Lord and Miller stuff, I'd be all right. It was this, it's this mix between Garbage Patch Kids or whatever they're called. The garbage Pail Kids, the, yeah. Garbage, garbage Pail Kids or Cabbage Patch Kids. That's it. I'm mixing up the two. Cabbage Patch Kids and Garbage Pail Kids. Yeah. There's two. Yeah. That kind of stuff. And what could actually be quite an adult satirical commentary at the time as well of sort of 80s, 90s corporate evilness. And it could have been funny in that sense. And just felt it, the thing felt torn between the two. So it's really, it's really succinct and apt that you named it because that, would, that was going to be one of my questions is like, why doesn't this movie land? There's lots of reasons why it should. Well, it's 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 quite cruel in a way because the first ten fifteen minutes of the film genuinely like quite funny playing with the playing with the format like winking at the camera. I was giggling. Yeah, yeah. It was giggles. And then they unleash all of this horrific makeup on you, and it's almost like the film as it goes on is testing you and pushing. How far will you stick with this film? Yeah. Now, for me, a bit like that Bill Pullman film, not Bill Pullman, Bill Paxton. God, what's wrong with me? Met that bit uh, past the ammo. It had a past the ammo vibe to it to me. What 
in terms of the energy. Like, yeah, it just kept going bigger and bigger. and Well, yeah, but this, the energy... this goes you know, more and more grotesque, I suppose. Is the, is the... Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. yeah, I mean, the film that it reminded me of, there was a, a sort of a slew of these around this time, was um, Nothing But Trouble, which if you haven't seen that, you're very lucky. It's Dan Aykroyd, Demi Moore, John Candy. And it's a similar sort of thing of like these socialites end up in a disused fairground run by a, a retired judge played by Dan Aykroyd. And um, it, it, they all have like loads of makeup. There are freaks in it. It's a disgusting it film. And it's... I think I might have seen oh, it. It's horrible. It's, it's awful. Okay. Um, and this is at least better than that. <laughs> Because okay. I have to say, for all of the reasons that I can see why an audience would be turned off by this film, I quite enjoyed it. Oh, I'm glad for you. I, one of the things I said to the person I was watching it with was, God, I really hope that at least Ben likes this because it's going to be a very short, annoying episode otherwise. I'm glad you enjoyed it, but I really, I got the feeling 10 minutes in that there's no way I can talk for an hour about no, sure. this. I don't actually think there's that much to say about it because it is it does what it says on the tin, really. Like you watch the opening credits, it says a lot about it. Yeah, like, it's, it's it's hard to get through those credits. They're like the seizure like inducing. <laughs> yeah, four minutes of these psychedelic transformations of already abstract faces into freakishly things. It says a lot about the energy of the film. Yeah, and. It, I found it really difficult to follow. I wouldn't arguably you've described the plot really well. I don't think it's that complicated, but there are twists and turns in it that make you go, "What the fuck's going on? What's happening? What's happening now?" But I think that had more to do with my lack of focus and interest in it than it did the film itself. Let's say so. I want to do my best to be fair to it, but tell me, what was it? So you you talked about a similar film, which is horrible, the Dan Aykroyd film. What is it that? What's it like in terms of your enjoyment? What, what, which rib did it tickle? You know. Well, I, I'm, you know, like you, I've got a soft spot for for meta humor done well in the in the Twenty One Jump Street style. So that was where I really started to first get on board. The more I learn about Alex Winter, the more I have um, a, a huge amount of respect for him. And so to know that this was his creative baby, I'm already giving him a lot of leeway to abuse me to a certain extent. Um, right. Okay, it's a really funny way of yeah. putting it. But he is, uh, and well, but he did. That's the thing, you know. He's really tested my my patience at times, and he's a very, very charismatic performer. But to see, I didn't realize actually. I've seen some of his directorial work before. I've seen some of the documentaries that he's made in the years since, and so it's almost more interesting to 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 read about this film than it is to watch it. And I, this yes. is an absolute brilliant example of how a cult film comes about because the early test screenings for this film when it was about 20 minutes half an hour longer were absolutely disastrous because people thought they were going to see the test screen yeah. for, for the next yeah i read that movie, yeah yeah which yeah. is not great um when it actually came to be released i'm going to do the numbers now okay i'm just going to go straight to the okay. numbers to, straight to it's your numbers it's your numbers so the budget for this film was $11 million, which for a comedy is, at this time, yeah. very high. I thought it was 12 Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. $11, 12 million. Just, just saying. IMDb just, yeah. has it as $11 million. 
Um, Fine. Okay. Now a million of that. Now we said that Keanu Reeves was in this film, and so we'll have to address yeah. that in a second. He's not just doing this as a favor to his friend Alex Winter. That's what I thought initially. Yeah. Yeah. He pocketed a cool million yeah. for this. To right. Put, to put, and then didn't get a credit. To put. Yeah, but I don't think he wanted a credit. But yeah, it shows. <laughs> but to put it in context, that's the same amount that he got paid for the first John Wick movie. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> but he must have really liked the John Wick script then. Um, but then but actually, he was doing quite a bit of shit. Uh, uh, well, before John Wick, I think we'll probably have to talk about this in we many will, weeks. We time. will. But I, I don't think he. He can demand more than a million dollars. I don't think he wants to anymore because he made so much money on The Matrix. He doesn't need to. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but worldwide gross for this film, right? <laughs> on a budget of $11 million. Yep. 30000 Oh, my God. The studio, once they saw what they had... You and I could, you and I could save that up <laughs> yeah. in a couple years. Yeah. Um, the studio was so bamboozled by what they had when Alex went and handed it over and after he recut it <laughs> they only released can't, it on two screens can't imagine their faces when they saw it eventually yeah it's your numbers how do you sell it how do you sell this movie you know i got i got no idea that the actors is that's it that's the selling point the actors not alex winter himself even the cast is the selling that's all you got to sell had you cut a trailer for this? Exactly, because you can only really use your your lead man is literally deformed for seventy five percent of this film. And that's why it's such a shame that I didn't like this. Like, I wish I liked it. This film, you you hit it on the head. This film is so much more interesting to talk about than it is to watch. Now, you're lucky if you like it. You're lucky if it tickled you and and i think that's a it can be a fluke i think it might depend on your mood it's got a kind of a lampooning vibe to it as well like it's like it's literally lampooning a lot of different um segments of culture of society and that is the the number one conceit is alex winter is a, a like a very popular loved and hated actor and I can't think of an equivalent type nowadays or back in the 80s. And he's been in TV series and big films. Like, there's there's parody posters in one of the fans' rooms, like Robo Dude, which is like a Robocop yeah. ripoff. And so you just... The actor has is a huge movie star. Yeah. And... The ca- just the, funny, the character that Alex Winter's playing is what you're talking about. Yeah, that's, yeah. Ex- excuse me, not Alex Winter. Ricky Coogan, his name yeah. is. And so Ricky Coogan's this huge star... And ostensibly for the, you know, majority of the film, he is, his capacity to maintain that level of stardom is completely obliterated. And it turns him from a narcissistic arsehole into a caring guy. Yeah. That's not the first time that's been done. Like, sure. But if you want that kind of thing, like exclusively just regarding Henry, it's pretty good for that. You know, a freak accident turn, turns somebody into a really caring guy, where mm-hmm. the real arsehole before, uh, with um, uh, Han Solo, Alden Ehrenreich. Yeah, exactly. The best Han Solo. Yeah, he's in it. He was about three years old yeah, yeah. when he. But but they did really good makeup. I think he on was him minus. Him look, I think he was negative years old. In fact, yeah, made him look like a young Harrison Ford. It was really good. Like, and that message, that message alone is. I like 
that kind of story it can be done really well and it wasn't it got lost in amongst all the other gags like so many gags like so many attempts at gags in every line every scene yeah and and that's that's kind of like it i think i am coming at it from a starting point of bias but ah right t- towards alex okay. winter basically yeah, yeah right right um but there's so much like he's really really trying to entertain you as well as challenge you and it almost doesn't matter how successful you are when you do that. As long as you land a couple of lines, as long as there's clearly, you know, it's not a badly made film at all. It is to structure and, and filmmaking rules in a very professional way. He's a smart guy. And I'll give it that, and, yeah. And yeah, it's glossy. He managed to get a big budget for it. It was well done, I suppose. But the reason that I think this is a perfect sort of cult film is so few people will have any idea that this film even exists. And if you suddenly like took a Bill and Ted fan to a midnight movie marathon and sh- and put this on, it would blow their minds. It is weird how we found more forgotten films. I think in this this season. <laughs> yeah, but this this does, have, this stretches. Like, this isn't what we defined as a forgotten film. This is definitely a cult film. It is. It's so it's well known enough that we would it would miss our definition. Yeah. It wouldn't. It wouldn't fit because, our definition. Just tying back into the fact at the beginning, we said we couldn't find Providence. So there are some of these films that weren't didn't have particularly successful. Tune in tomorrow yeah. is you know something that we had to watch on yeah. YouTube. Freaked has a, a mainstream DVD release because fans yeah, you can get it on Blu-ray. Fans lobbied yeah. for it. There is a there was a yeah, following I, behind it. Was, this film. It was still hard to get. I got the last copy. Not sure, but. A lot of these films don't even have that, is what I'm saying. You can't even get... I, yeah, you're right. So, yeah, it's just... It sits in a very specific pocket of 90s cinema, of the end of the 80s excess, the beginning of the grunge movement, and this, you know, lesser movie star of a very big comedy franchise using his power to do a passion project that is completely uncommercial. Within a studio mm. system. And there's a kind of brilliant rebellion to that. Now, the failure of the film was so destructive to Alex Winter's career. But also, I think, personally, he found it painful, having gone through that very, very disruptive production and post-production process at the head of the film. Uh, and obviously, the studio could look at it and say, well, you're not a star without Keanu Reeves because you can't open a movie, even though they buried his movie. Yeah. He never played a, a lead role in a film again, and that's when he started doing bit parts and following his documentary career. Yeah, and you you do think it's because of this it, film? It's pretty much accepted that that is yeah that is the case. Yeah. So it's such a shame but, because you, you could see the potential. You can see that this is a smart film. Like the gags are smart, the conceit is smart in that sense, but it's that appealing to the gross the grossness of it. It's weirdly targeted at teenagers because I think Alex Winter knew that teenagers were his audience because of Bill and Ted. But it arguably would be better. This is a much better for an adult audience. Uh, yes, I guess. But in a way, teenagers are the only people that are ever going to sit down and watch this, aren't they? Because they'll the the idea of the rebellion that's built into the filmmaking is you know would appeal. It would have appealed to me. Uh, you know, when I was thirteen or fourteen. That was one of my notes. Is I would have loved this as a kid. I think maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. And and arguably, that's what makes it a cult film. Is that it's got that nostalgia. If you saw it, if you were a Bill and Ted fan, 
It's a shame it tested so poorly as well. Yeah, it's not surprising though, is it? No, it's not. One of the bits of trivia that I read is horrible, but also like I don't see it as very good test audience evidence, just the fact that you're testing to a group of teenagers was apparently the, when as soon the Brooke Shields as soon as Brooke Shields <laughs> came on the screen, one of the teenagers just stood up, stood up and said Fuck you, bitch! Yeah. Like what? Yeah. And I th- and but again, I don't think that reveals anything other than the fact that you're testing to teenagers. Unless there was like some kind of hate for Brooke Shields back then. I I, I think it's was there. I think it's a poorly written bit of trivia. I think that's a reaction to the realization that this is not Bill and Ted. Oh, I see. Yeah. And then it, fine, yeah, you've lost your audience. Fine, fine. Away. Sorry, I, I I missed it completely. See, this is the thing that upset me is that I don't know. There's a lot of smart gags in it, but maybe I just they, they got lost on me in the end. But it, they uh, very early on tell you that this is a meta film when they yeah. when Ricky Coogan saying like, oh, "Okay, it all started." Uh, you know, I took a flight to somewhere, and Brooke Shields says, "Oh, what was the movie you watched?" And then he says, "Like Blue Lagoon." It wasn't very Return good. To the Blue Lagoon. Like no, she says, Return to the Blue- "Oh, I heard that's terrible." Yeah, yeah. She was in it. Uh, yeah, so it's that kind of it's that kind of level of humour, and then it does just change into this. I don't even know. It, it's carnivalesque, isn't it? It, it? it is about a freak show, and the yeah. film itself is a carnival of goo. And that's the that you see. That's the selling point. You're looking for a selling point. That's it. But it's harder to cut a trailer with the footage, all the footage yeah, yeah, that yeah. shows all that very explicitly, yeah. that suggests this is a smart film. And and you, and. You know, you can see Alex Winter really, really struggling. He's got the worst deal in terms of the makeup because it's half of his face oh has God. been turned into this grizzled goblin, and and he's he's got like the two face mouth. So yeah, so he's got a prosthetic. He's talking. Yeah, he has to talk like this and, all the and time. And it's weird because sometimes they leave that audio in, and sometimes they overdub it because he's clearly the struggling ADR, so yeah. bad. Yeah, and also a little bit of trivia there. There's a lot of shots where he's got drool hanging off his chin i think that's real it 100 percent is it yeah. actually is he's, he's struggling so much with the mouthpiece why like i guess you start shooting it you've got to just keep up with it you've got to keep yeah it's like it's fucking commitment man isn't it yeah but, the, but that's and, a way and, you, of, know, you know him as an actor and director basically saying to his cast look i know you feel a bit stupid in a cow outfit and that's john hawks yeah. inside the cowboy outfit by the way who is a fantastic actor but that's Alex Winter stood front and centre saying, I'm not putting you through anything I'm not going through myself. You know, yes. this is not an ego piece for me at all. No, no. Let's talk a bit about our man. Yeah, so Keanu is Ortiz, the dog boy. Um, big tick for luscious hair because he's covered in it. <laughs> he's got lots of <laughs> he's hair. covered in it. I don't think he does badly. I don't think he embarrasses himself at all. I think he's, he's playing a dog. With a slightly Mexican accent. Yeah, which is something else. I thought he was quite funny. He's got yeah. a good. He's got a good part. Right. Uh, he's in it a lot more than I thought he and would he, be. He literally bones down, <laughs> and, and it's not guilting some either. <laughs> he, he's. It's really weird that getting, that getting it on with a conjoined woman. To like a man and a woman early in this part of like Ricky Coogan's entourage and this activist babe. Arguably, she's like this movie's equivalent of the princess babes. Yeah. And she gets merged with this other dude. I think that was really strange for me. Like, I think that the whole bit between them 
like these this man and a woman merged and they're constantly fighting everything with them in it just with that that character in it well both of them they're not great characters are they yeah and yet quite central to the film as well that's the other but i think um in you know through a modern lens there'd be some eyebrows raised at some of the comments like my god yeah he says something about going off half cocked and then he looks down at his own groin he goes trust me it's it's not all it's cracked up to be um there's a few sort of transgender jokes thrown in throughout as well around yeah, the bearded woman yeah well. yeah and apparently he walked off set because Indeed. he was like they had to beg him to come back and well they did adr without him as well did they So they, actually there that. are lines of dialogue that mr t says in this film that mr t never said <laughs> so they've actually a, a got great... someone like me going damn it fool there's that yes there's quite a lot in this film that dates you know a break dancing gorilla Doing an Eddie Murphy impression almost, like while he's dancing, like ow, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, it, there's there's a lot in this film that speaks to the the time that might have, that people got away with back then. You ju- you would not get away with making this movie again like this, I, on so many levels. Um, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. But um, but again, that all just feeds the cult of it. That's just it's it's a unique, odd yeah. thing that happened. And as far as Keanu goes, if you didn't know that he was in this movie. I think you could totally miss that it was him in this. Um, it's possible. You can just about, from his physicality, well, uh, yeah. it's more the way that he moves his shoulders. I, I always keep coming back to this, but he's got a very specific he does, yeah. rigidity. Um, I can hear a tone in his voice. There's always this tone in his voice that I get. Yeah, and obviously, those big, pretty eyes. But um, Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I thought he was quite funny, and, and he's he has to leave the film halfway through because he chases I, after a squirrel <laughs> i wondered if which i thought was really funny i wondered if they just wrote him out he just said like it, no it was that. it was a contractual thing i think it, it was basically like we'll give you a million dollars for x number of days probably like four or five days and so they yeah. that's it was built around that i think yeah but it is a funny gag to have keanu disappear because he's a dog boy who sees a squirrel because they're leading a revolt yeah. at that point, aren't they? Yeah, the, and he's the leader, and there's some leadership challenge, right? And then he just, he just, no, he just fucks off. Squirrel. That was funny. Yeah. Um, I did have a few funny lines. Yeah, go on. That a few got me. Like, well, there's the gag at the beginning, which is going because I I do like meta stuff. I like it when they break the fourth wall. Um, so that that was nice. That kid made me laugh a bit. The ginger just, kid. Not, it's not so a line. Yeah. The, the troll, they kept calling him the troll. I don't know why, but I, not necessarily any specific lines, just saying that the, I found that kid funny. This one line uh, talking about Alex Winter, saying that he's ugly enough to burn the nose hairs off a dead nun. Yeah. I like that one. That's, I thought that's that was a hell of a line. funny. Um, and the other one is quite obscurely in an ad break that they put in right at the end. Uh, a fake ad, sorry, excuse yeah. me, yeah, yeah. for a product called machismo yeah uh, i've ruined the punchline you like, like cheese you it. like manly things machismo that's it are you a man and it's in a can that you can crush as well it's gross and then all the cheese pops out and macaroons saved them Indeed. accidentally yeah the antidote was in the macaroons is that right did i miss that that's right yeah yeah um my favorite gag in the film was when that you're getting a montage of the backstories of all the other freaks in there. So you see, like, Mr. T turn up at the ranch just as Mr. T. And Randy Quaid leaves in and goes, 
I think you'd be better without a dick. Yeah, that's quite funny. <laughs> that wasn't the gag. That wasn't the gag. It was in that sequence. Where going along the line of all these people. So you see how the cowboy became the cowboy. You see how Mr. T became the bearded lady. And then it just, the camera just pans down and there's a hammer on the floor. Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> <There's> a... <laughs> it cuts to a sequence where Randy Quaid like picks up a... Um, a spanner. A wrench, yeah, yeah, off the wall. And he's looking at it, like, thinking, ah. <laughs> But when they cut back, everyone's just crying. Like, how sad this story of the spanner that became a hammer. I don't was. get it. Well, it's that's... just a silly gag. It's... Yeah, right. And I think that's there's times when I was just... That's the reason why it didn't land with me, is because I either wanted... Like, I didn't know, is this Naked Gun? Or is this a... Do you see what I mean? It just kept flicking between Naked Gun. I like Naked Gun. It's because it's it's all gags like that. Yeah. But I didn't. It's like the tone of the film kept losing me. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's all over the place. Uh, deliberately so, I think. Um, yeah. I genuinely, I'd be curious to see what's in the stuff that they cut because I think if this film were any longer, it really would become. A slog, and I like the fact that it's only seventy-eight minutes long. Yeah, um, I would love to see this with an audience, though—an audience that was actually into it. I think it would be. It, this is just it would be such a great midnight movie. And I have to be honest, although I mean, it really goes full on gross towards the end when Alex Winter is turned into basically a ten-foot gremlin with yeah. these huge, like pendulous, bloodshot eyes. It's, it is. It's, it's it's rank. It's, it's rank. Un, unpleasant, I would say. Yeah, very, very. Um, but knowing knowing all of that now, I sort of can't get the film out of my head, and I, I think I kind of want to see it again. Oh my god, you will! I know you will. Yeah, yeah. I, fair enough. The things I like about this film are the things that we're talking about. <laughs> I like the discussion about this film. I don't think that I can ever see it again. I don't think I ever will. But I can appreciate the appeal. And I don't know enough about it. But what I do know about it, it feels like it's got that same appeal as, what is it, The Room? It's that that whole phenomenon of, of that kind of... Yeah, The Room is slightly different because The Room is... And actually a bad film, and yet has a hypnotic quality to it. But yeah. in terms of the audience, I think there's there's a shared audience there, for, for sure. People who that's, want that's something re- yeah, that, okay. obscure and forgotten. Yeah, yeah, okay. for sure. Um, yeah. I, I am leaning towards this being a bad film, though. Oh, I understand what you're saying about it being put together and the, the, the smarts behind it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with that. This is treading that line of how much I enjoyed something or didn't enjoy something is contributing to whether or not I think it's a good film. I think it's an unlikable it's... film, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's poorly made at all. And, I do, you know, as, as horrific as that makeup stuff is, some of it looks really, really good. Yeah, no, there's a hell of a lot of craft. You can see everybody's acting their guts out. And that's it. I think, yeah. I think someone like... They're really trying hard. Someone like William Sadler and, and Brooke Shields or whatever is probably there as a favour to their friend. But I think there was probably like a real sense of like, we all really believe in this thing. Like, let's, let's get it over the line. And I think that's Alex Winter. Like yeah. people believed in him. Yeah. And cause he's clearly a smart guy. 
Yeah. It's got a student film vibe to it. Like, it doesn't quite land. See, I, I just think about, there's a lot of these kind of films where someone's been a big hit on Saturday Night Live, let's say. Yeah. And so they take the, the leap to becoming a, a leading man in a, a Hollywood right. studio comedy. And it's yeah. a terrible move because they're not leading man material. They're, they're a bit part player. Yeah. I'm thinking of someone like Nick Swardson or, you know, even David Spade to an extent, although he can just about pull off a, a lead man part. So for every Wayne's yeah, World. Yeah, it depends on the film. For every Wayne's World, there's a dozen of these failed leading man parts. And I think that this yeah. film has been put in that same bin unfairly yeah. because Alex Winter, I think, could have been a leading man. And we've said this a few times now. We have. We have, yeah. Um, I, I agree. He, I agree it could have been. Where he has ended up, infinitely more interesting. You know, he's done yeah. documentaries on the Silk Road and the Dark Web. He, he did a film just a couple of years ago that's now out to watch for free called the Panama Papers about the efforts of journalists to get that oh, great. that data yeah. out there. Um, yeah. And he's, yeah, he's a good filmmaker. So I guess the question is, like, how... Who do you pitch this film to? Who do you and I recommend this film to? Because I think there is an audience for it. It's a good it. question. But it's not the Bill and Ted audience, is it? Most of the time. It's weird because I think you've got two different types of Bill and Ted audience. You get the Bill and Ted audience that love it for exactly what it is. And then you get the Bill and Ted audience who love it because Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter are doing quite funny performances. And they they are ridiculous. Do you see what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. we're ridiculing Bill and Ted, but they're kind of adorable as well. That that audience, I think, might like this film, but the audience that are diehard Bill and Ted fans that think the movie's great, I love the characters, I'd actually like to hang out with Bill and Ted. You know, mm-hmm. like, I love yeah. them as characters. I don't think you're going to like this film because it will be a betrayal of, of your love for that, for that specific, well, two movies. Like, it's not like a genre of movie. It's, Three now. Sorry? Well, there will be three. Yeah, there's going to be a third. Trailer came out. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It's only a teaser trailer so far. So, yeah, trailer's out. Fine. Again, like, don't watch this because you're waiting for for Bill and Ted 3. (laughs) No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I see, Uh, I think... What's your recommendation? Who do you recommend it to? I think if you you can... Appreciate the the gooey, gory '80s horror, you know, of like From Beyond and Society. There's a lot of the same sort of gooey, gory horror in this, but it's attached to a, a fairly smart, metatextual, big budget comedy. I think someone like Ewan, who joined us for Legend uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. I think if he hasn't seen this, you and you should definitely watch this. I think you, right. you'd get a kick out of it. So I think it is that. I think it's the midnight movie crowd. You've got to be. You've got to allow for the fact that this is going to be a massive turnoff for anyone who doesn't like gooey, gross stuff. I think. Yeah, it's a cartoon as well. That's the thing to remember. That it's a live live action cartoon. Well, funny it's you a... should mention that because the creators of Ren and Stimpy held this up as one of the greatest comedies of the nineties. There you go. If you're a Ren and Stimpy fan, you might enjoy this. Yeah. And that's it. There was a, there was a, cri- a a critical split. Some people saw it for what Alex Winter was trying to do, and yeah. and the mainstream critics just went, "What is he doing?" So that is what I'd like to just tease out before we move on. There's something to be said for um, the point that this movie was trying to make. So you talked about that critical split. It would be good if 
you could just help me to tease out what is the actual commentary that Alex Winter's trying to make, considering his that documentarian element. You look at the documentaries he goes on to make, there's there's political commentary being made. For sure. Or or at least sociological commentary. What's what's he trying to say with this film? Well I think there's two things. I think there's an element of his disillusionment at the at being inside the Hollywood machine. I think he saw hundred percent how self serving it is. Yeah. And I think the, the the really heartening thing for fans like you and me of of both of these guys is that both Alex Wint and Keanu Reeves turned out to be super chill bros. And really nice people with a really yeah. strong social conscience. And yeah. I'm not sure that we could say the same thing about a Mike Myers and a Dana Carvey. That's not a slight on them. I just don't know. No, no. Um, yeah, we just, yeah. They, they certainly don't have a reputation for that. Exactly. That's all. So I think that's in there. I think there's his, you know, be careful what you wish for kind of thing. Um, And then obviously at the time, there were a lot of the scandals around um, companies like PG&E and other big companies, CIC, things like that. So yeah, we'd, you, we'd, like Unilever. Unilever, right, exactly. Yeah. So we'd had the ozone layer scare, and then we found yeah. out that these big companies were poisoning people's water and giving them cancer for profit. And so that's in there as well, I think. Yeah, it's all part of that Captain Planet, you know. And I know there's another, like, I guess very quick message, which is if you sell your soul, if you sell out, yeah. you know, for, for fame, for money, you're going to end up, you are... You are no better than these freaks who arguably they find their conscience through their freakery, through their solidarity, through their community that they create. I think there's a little bit in there that gets lost. And, and so that's a genuine failing of the film. I'm not going to say it's a, a artistic success all the way through. Is I think like the, the idea of using the freak show is also comes out of that world of rock and heavy metal of like, the guys with the tattoos and the piercings are the nicest guys, trust me. They really yeah, are. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that's what they're trying to say. Um, yeah. And that gets lost. And also the idea that, yeah. you know, if you judge a freak by the, by the you know, what they look like rather than the content of their character, you're the one that loses. But then at the end, everybody gets turned back into norms, don't they? Yeah, they, <laughs> they do get turned back into norms and it's their freakery isn't necessarily accepted. But they are more accepting of each other, I guess. And then they do, like, murder the the evil freak, you know, Brooke Shields. And that's the final gag, is that the Dennis Quaid character has turns into Brooke Shields. Randy Quaid. Like, Randy Quaid, Dennis Quaid. Uh, reboot, remake, sequel, recast. Oh, any, any... let's just... Leave it alone in the scrap bin of cinema history. Leave it alone. Okay. Well, you, you, I think you're quite right to say let's take it out of the scrap bin. Yeah. But let's, let's. Arguably, it's got a legit cult status. I would really love again to to, to hear from anyone who has a history with this film because you and I were not familiar with it. We didn't know it existed. It's possible I saw it on a video shelf in the nineties sometimes. Yeah. And just passed over it. But um. I really didn't know anything about this film, and I'd love to know if anyone is a part of the cult that's been beating the drum for this movie for 20 years or whatever. Um, and if it sounds like, you know, the sort of thing you're into, definitely seek it out. There's there's some interesting stuff in the film. What would you score it? It's a hard one. Yep. Uh, well, not for me. Okay. One. Yeah. It's a solid really? one. Yeah, solid one. Oh, you didn't like me. it at all. I, I As a result of this discussion... I can I can bump it to a two because I 
I was down on it because of the evening I was having. I just yeah. I had no energy for it, and I just said, I, I I had to watch it in the morning, again like finish it off in the morning, and because again as revealed by my questions in this discussion, so much of what the film was trying to do was lost on me. So that's why you're right to say, yeah, it's not an artistic success because any project, no matter how well-meaning, no matter how smart, no matter how well-intended, if it loses the audience, it loses the audience. It's like, that's, oh, sure. that, that's the case. So it's a failure for me. That doesn't mean it is a total failure. You got a lot more out of it. So as a result of this discussion, I think I can, I'll fairly bump it to two because those films that I've given one star that I was much less enjoyable and it it wasn't the worst thing in the world. It was it was okay to watch. There were some laughs. It's fucking weird. I mean, it's just really fucking weird. Yeah. And I enjoyed I enjoyed laughing at it as well. Just how fucking weird it was. Which is it's not it's not trying to not get me to laugh at it. It wants me to laugh at it as well. Yeah. So yeah. in that respect, it gets another star. When you are in a considerably better state of mind. Yeah. And when you are willing to take on a challenge. Yeah. And I fully accept that that day may never come. Okay. Um, I don't, because I don't want to be cruel to you. See if you can get through the film Nothing But Trouble. Because the only thing that I can recommend about that film is Demi Moore really gives it her all to try and save the horrible film that she is stuck in the midst of. So what, is that the Dan Aykroyd one? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, okay. That's, that is... That's yeah. a challenge. That is a challenge. <laughs> Well, that's a, that's a one-star well, film for sure. Especially because when you're recommending to me a one-star film, it is I tend to watch the things you recommend me almost as I, much as I can. I want to be really clear. Yeah. Not a recommendation. <laughs> oh no, I'm I'm doing it because you recommended it. Then that's okay. why I'm doing it. Get some sleep. Yeah. Make sure you're healthy, <laughs> and then go for it. Uh, in terms of scoring this film, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I want. I oh god, I'm gonna go three. I was gonna go three, and a half, but that's too high. But uh, yeah, three is the is the is the right place to go. I, I guessed a three from what you were from what you were saying. Weirdly, just tried to look up uh, nothing but trouble on IMDb. Yeah. Top two results, much ado about nothing, and nothing but but trouble. Just by typing in the word nothing. Oh, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's weirdly. So Which that segues us to us to yeah. The, uh, the 1993 adaptation of Much Ado About Nothing. And that's where we left it for free. So we will be back next time with Much Ado About Nothing. And because I'm on my own here, I could say whatever I want. But I will just say, with the way the world is, it's very important. Be excellent to each other. And for God's sake, wear a mask. Cheers. Bye-bye.